Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. Russ from My Hammers 11. Hope you're safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing. Hitting that bell icon so you're made aware of any time putting new content on. Videos going up daily, but particularly in the off-season, you know, you want to keep your West Ham fix going. So we'll probably have two, three times a day. So make sure you hit that icon so you don't miss any of the great stories, any great guests we get coming on. Loads of great fans, players, also that, those type of things. Today's guest, lifelong um, fan. You might recognise his voice as well. Uh, <laughs> it's Ben Bundy. Hi, Ben. How are you doing, man? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad, thank you very much. How is this weird world we live in for you at the moment? It's all right. You know what, actually, I've been going to work from the very start, so I've had a real kind of normality when everyone else around me has had the, the weird stuff going on. So it actually feels like not much has changed. The road's got a bit quieter for a brief period of time getting into work, but yeah, it's okay. I'm enjoying yeah. it. <laughs> and also it's weird, isn't it, because we had like no football for ages, and then we had this sort of deluge, and then that's it. <laughs> nothing, nothing, no football now. No decent Russ, football. Russ, at any point, did you feel like there was too much football? Yes. <laughs> oh, no, I thought he was going to say, yeah. I was okay with it. There was one Sunday where there was four games back to back, which, you know, by the fourth one, I was like, mm, maybe I should switch this off. But I've really enjoyed seeing it. And I've also really enjoyed seeing it uh, with, no crowd effects and hearing the kind of managers and the players shouting. It's a real insight that I guess we would never normally have no. seen. Are you, so you're definitely a crowd off person rather than a crowd on person. 100%. Yeah. It's like playing FIFA on the yeah. PlayStation otherwise. So yeah, crowd off. Let me hear the players shouting and rolling around and being told off for not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. It's definitely crowd off for me. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. It is weird, but I mean, I think it was, I mean, sometimes I'd forget there was like two games on. So I'd look at my phone and I've missed two games already. It's like, when did they happen? It's like, you know, but it's just like, it's bizarre. And I don't know what's going to happen, like the scheduling when we get back. Um, hopefully a bit, a little bit less relaxed, more relaxed. So it's not like four games, you said back to about four games. Yeah. Even for the, the dedicated football fan, it might be a bit too much. But um, 
yeah, no, it's uh, it's been weird, but it's finished, and obviously we're still in the Premier League, which is good. Um, couldn't relegated Villa, which I'm disappointed about. Um, <laughs> it was sort of the best I, I, of. Go on. Yeah, it was it was a real close one, wasn't it? And kind of, um, it's a shame that we've had to stop because obviously we're in a bit of form now, yeah. and the the shorter that break is, the better for us because we were playing some good stuff towards the end. Exactly. I think I think Moyes has given them three weeks off. And then it's back to it. And um, yeah, no, I think that's right. You're, it is frustrating. It's always the way though, isn't it? We always do have a, we always tend to perform towards the end of the season better. <laughs> and that's it. Then we're off on the beach, literally until, until uh, the August or whatever. But uh, yeah, it, I think, you know, to be fair, I mean, I, I haven't done the, uh, I haven't done the stats yet, but I'd like to look at form since restart began. Cause I think we must be, up there, really, in terms of what we were doing, to, particularly in the last few games. But uh, no, it's Moisey, Moisey got it, got the uh, got the job done again. Did it yeah. last time? Did it this time? And um, and I'm looking forward to next season. I'm quite excited, really. Probably got no money, but it doesn't matter. I'm quite excited. I think there it is, the West Ham hope. <laughs> yeah, it is. They, they reel they reel you in and they drag you back. Let's talk again in October. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Having lost, you know, 5-0 to, I don't know, Man United and uh, and West Brom probably turned us over and, you know, all these ones. And then we'll start again. And then the, the merry-go-round begins again. But that's that's what being a West Ham fan is all about, but isn't it, really? Um, as you well know. So, so Ben, so why is... The first question I always ask everyone is, is why is West Ham your club? I can see the screen behind you um, with, the old, with the old badge, though. You know, there we go. <laughs> Not the new one, or the, or the 125th. You've, you've got the old badge on the shirt. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Um, why West Ham? I have my dad to blame, I'm afraid. Um, we don't come from a West Ham family. My dad's parents supported Portsmouth and Cholton, um, but my dad's got swayed towards West Ham by his uncle, I think. And then when I was a young kid, obviously taken to Upton Park. And uh, I'd be very surprised if someone supports a different team from the first couple of live games yeah. they went to see, because you kind of just get sucked in once you're there and you, you know, you see the atmosphere and you feel the atmosphere. There was only one club for me. And then I guess I was too young to realise that there were more downs than ups. Um, with West Ham, but by the time I got to the stage of realising that was the case, it was too late. You can't change your team, can you? You can't. You really can't. You're too late. And I, I, I totally agree. You know, I think once you're once you've seen that first game and the atmosphere, and you, you are hooked. And yeah, I don't think that happens. You know, anywhere else. You know, it's, it seems that way with West Ham, particularly. And obviously, you know, uh, going forward from obviously your, your first games at West Ham. You know the, the atmosphere. It's it's the family. You said go with your with your dad, and um, you know all that sort of togetherness. You know, you, as you said you've got season tickets. We said before we started, you've got season tickets which you share amongst your family, and, and for, it's all the community of West Ham, isn't it? It's that West Ham family. Yeah. yeah, and I think that 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 game. It was early nineties. The first game I went to Upton Park night game. I think against Coventry City, and just. The atmosphere, just to walk up to the stadium. Yeah. I guess that's the one thing we don't really get now with the London no. Stadium. But the, the walk up to the stadium, the tight streets, the bird vans, um, program sellers, and then just kind of walking into Upton Park and up to our seats and just this sight that I'd never seen yeah. or heard before. And it was just, yeah, it will stay with me forever, really. That Upton Park, that first visit to Upton Park. 
yeah, it's the smell that I always got. It was that <laughs> yeah. smell, that burger van smell, which you just yeah. can't recreate in Westfield, can you? It's like you just can't get it. It's like it's like that that mystery meat that's been fried somehow. Um, I used to love it. There was the one. There was the two burger vans by the supporters club, and they were either side of a very small road. And I'm thinking. They're not really well placed, really. Do you know what I mean? It's like this weird turf war of burger vans. But um, yeah, no, it is, as you said, once you're in, you're hooked. And, and it is about the, I mean, we're, we're not in it for the football, Ben. Um, you know, clearly we, we backed the wrong horse if that was the job. But um, it is about the atmosphere, it is about the community. And I think that's what people miss. I think that's what's been really evident since restart is how much the fans adds to a football game. Because, like, even talking to the ex-players when, they, when I'm asking them, you know, how would they react? And they, they, you know, a lot of them be, it's quite tough. You know, if you're not feeling up, you've got a bit of a cold or whatever. Having that extra 10, 20% which the fans give you makes a huge difference. And um, I think I think that was self-evident in the beginning of Restart. And then people just yeah. got a bit used to it. But, uh, and, and, and when you interview fans and stuff at the moment, you know, they, they it's all about the togetherness. It's all about... You know, they have Zoom watch-along parties and, and stuff like that. And obviously, interacting on Facebook and Twitter. And I know we're biased to it all, but I think West Ham definitely have better fan bases than many other clubs. I can't see, you know, with my friends who are Tottenham fans or Arsenal fans having that sense of togetherness um that being a West Ham fan brings um and you probably know more than anyone to be honest it, it, um, doing it's stuff been do. weird watching the games in this in this situation with the kind of whatsapp and the messages going off from from the group of friends that we normally go to the stadium with it's just a whole different way of watching football yeah. but yeah there is there is something unique about supporting West Ham yeah you have to have it on different devices don't you so it's like i can't if i have my phone as you said the texts kept keep on popping up and it'll be martin or someone like that or chris will be messing yeah i'm trying i could go back into it because obviously you know i'm a cheapskate so i'll be finding a stream and then you have to go back and start pressing all the uh all the pop-ups again it's uh, it's a bit of annoying but hey ho um so obviously, since since you started supporting the club, obviously, um, you know, sort of mid nineties onwards properly, um, there must be there must be some some key moments or some highlights that sort of as you said that first time you sort of stays in your heart and you can think of that and close your eyes and you can think of where you are again. There must be some other stuff that that sticks in your mind, um, maybe games or moments that, which, that, which maybe other yeah. people might not reckon remember. Or, I think everyone will remember this this moment, but I think it was significant because up until that point, West Ham had kind of not really ever been the cool club to support or or done anything amazing. My group of friends all supported other other football clubs, um, and it was obviously the the Decanio moment in the FA Cup where he yeah. kind of Bartes stood there with his arm up. And I just remember that week going into school afterwards, and it was just like, oh yeah, West. Everyone's talking about West Ham for the right reasons for once, and um, yeah. so that that is a moment that will, that will stick out. Um, and then the, the playoff success. Uh, I remember being in a pub watching that, and the, you know, there's not many too many times in a pub watching West Ham where you get to go crazy, and that that was yeah. a that was another opportunity. So yeah, it's just there are there are small moments that that stick out yeah. because of the the victory and what it then means. Yeah, no, exactly. Even things like for me. Um, the Euros that, that Pyatt was playing in because that was the first time that I had we had a, a player who was like not just in the squad but he was like 
the best player, and he's like, yeah, yeah. He's, and obviously, he was he buggered off after six months, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Yeah. But for that that time in that pub, everyone, yeah, your West Ham shirt on, and people go, oh, yeah. Piet, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I signed him. I did all all the hard work, but um, no, it's it's good fun. Um, it, 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 as you said, it's just these moments, it's these goals, or and also you know doing the stuff you do as well. You know, as a, you know, privy to a lot more moments than other people as well you know things happen and and uh obviously you know for those of you you, you might have seen been on the pitch doing the half-time stuff recently like last season which was fun we were kicking with kiss me which i was always uh <laughs> that's what so i miss tricky. one i think <laughs> it's, it's one of the most difficult challenges oh uh, yeah i mean that what an opportunity that is just to uh, experience a part of the stadium and the club in a way that I never thought as that kid yeah. going to Upton Park in the mid nineties yeah. that I would ever get to experience. And I've been lucky enough to meet some of the players that I used to watch back then. My 11 was going to be players that I've met off the pitch, but I couldn't quite get there, but um, a few of them. Yeah. So when you, when you meet the likes of Tony Cotty or Ludo Mikosko, just, oh, I mean, or it's just yeah. crazy. And just that little kid who used to watch them play. Yeah, it is, it is really weird, isn't it? It's just so strange. And also because they're all just like really nice blokes. I mean, you know, you know, you've been similar areas to me, Ben. And it's like, you know, meeting like, I don't know, uh, Martin Allen and John Moncur and Peter Butler. And they're really nice blokes. And you sit there and you, I'm a bit like worried when I'm going to talk, <laughs> when I interview them. And particularly of Martin Allen, because you don't know which Martin Allen's going to turn out. But... <laughs> luckily it was in the morning so it was all right and um and they're just lovely guys and uh, that whole era um and even before that with you know the phil parks is, and people like that it, they're just they're just normal blokes and it's, it always takes me by surprise when i get off the phone to them and you're thinking oh i've just spoken to name drop frank mcavinney but yeah he just it's just like he talks to you like he's, he's your mate and you know and Peter Butler texts me like randomly now. It's so weird. It's just like it's such a bizarre world, and it's something I haven't been privy to for many, many years. Now to be sort of in this sort of little bubble, it's very, very strange. And I, I know exactly what you mean. With like when you meet like Ludo and stuff like that, you're just back to being that little kid again at Upton Park, watching, watching him be mesmeric against Man United and stuff like that. And uh, it's so cool. I'm not, I'm not sure whether they know the impact they have on. No you when you're in that kind of one-on-one conversation but, but certainly yeah it's um moments that i will never forget and i guess the same for you yeah it's so true i think they because they probably do it so often and talk to so many but they don't realize yeah afterwards i was like oh my god you know <laughs> texting texting all my mates yeah, exactly I just, I just you know like on the, i took a screenshot of like the zoom call and i'm like oh, that's me and shaka hislop it's like what exactly <laughs> his lot, man. Right. Anyway, let's let's move on to this eleven because, as you said, you know, I think it'd be quite good. Um, the, the only caveat, really, I put on people is they have to be alive to have seen them play. That's it, really. Anything else, free reign, whatever you want to do. So, um, we'll start off in goal. I could probably guess your goalie based on what we spoke about, <laughs> but we'll go for that, and then we'll go through the rest of the team. So, who's in goal for the the Monday eleven then? It's got to be Ludo. Um, I actually had um. I didn't have the outfield kit as a kid. I had the goalkeeper kit that he wore. I a very strange child, Russ. Um, yeah, got the full full goalkeeper kit as a, I don't know, six, seven-year-old. Uh, goalkeeper gloves, went down the park. My brother belted the ball at me. So, yeah, it has to be Ludo. Although we've been blessed with some great goalkeepers, we have. haven't we? 
it's, yeah. it's the one it's the one area we haven't apart from six months last season which we before david martin came in which we haven't been short of we've always had a good keeper i think you know and it's uh as you said yeah you can reel them off you know we'll see a phil parks beforehand david james robert green shaka yeah fabianski now you know joe hart you had like some good goalkeepers you know and it's uh We've, it's an area which we always do well in, and um, I just hope we've got the next. We've got Nathan Trot, who's just come back from yeah. a good, good loan spell at um, uh, AFC Wimbledon. So you know, it's it's a it's an area which we don't. You know, although when Fabianski got injured, I, th- I didn't. I think I underestimated the importance of a goalkeeper on a team because obviously Roberto yeah. came in and yeah. cost Pellegrini's job really. Yeah. Um, it's incredible the difference it makes, um, the confidence that the rest of the team need. Um, when he was back in, he was brilliant. But yeah, um, Ludo, I would loopy Ludo, as my granddad used to call him. Uh, we'll put him and in. I was, <laughs> so, and I was fortunate enough to meet him. I think it was the last yeah. game before lockdown at South Southampton at home, yeah. was it? And I, yeah, I met yeah, yeah. Ludo and interviewed him before the game. And oh, what, what a legend. Even, I mean, even, even before the interview was in my 11, but after the interview, definitely in. Yeah, no, I know. We're trying to get him on the channel. Bless him. He keeps messaging me to say, oh, I don't, I'm not very, because his English isn't great. It's never been great. Um, but I don't think, I think I, I'm trying to convince him that people don't give a shit about what he says. The fact <laughs> is he was, he's there. And as long as he can say the 11 players that he would pick, I think that's that's all that people matter. Okay, uh, Ludo's in goal. Ben, you, you go through the team as you want to, man, in what positions you want to go to. Okay, uh, let's start left back. Yep. Uh, because, yeah, legend. Julian Dix, straight in there at left back. No question about him. I was obsessed with him as a kid and the way he used to take penalties. He's no-nonsense tackling. Um, I'm right-footed, so couldn't play his position, but played. I think he made me want to be a defender. So when I was a kid yeah. and like kind of a little bit younger, uh, you know, played played as a centre-back. So, yeah, um, Julian Dix in at left back. I was looking at his penalty stats and i think it's 35 out of 39 uh for west ham i've had a look at that and i met him so here's another one this 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 is the second one i've met uh i met him a few years back at an after dinner thing uh and just so down to earth and yeah he totally didn't understand why i was obsessed and kind of why he was one of my favorite west ham players but yeah great to chat to him yeah and obviously he'll be back at the london stadium with slav next year so Good luck to him. Yeah. No, I like, yeah, Julian, yeah, you're right, Junior. He was, he, and I've said it before. You know, the 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 fullback positions aren't the most glamorous in football. You know, when you grow up, you don't want to be a left back. You know, you want to be a, a winger or a striker or midfield dynamo. You know, but he made that position cool for West Ham fans. You know, he would do one of his tackles or a crunt or a thirty yard pinger into the top corner and just turn around with his ripped collar. And be like, come on! And everyone would be like, yeah, yeah. Julian. He could just galvanise a team from left back, which is a real, real sort of skill, um, definitely. And, and you know, I, I've heard this said many times about certain players that end up at West Ham, and and that fans at West Ham, all they really want is someone who tries, runs around, mm. and puts a tackle in. And mm. he epitomised the kind of tackle that would get the fans yes. on your side. And, yeah, and I, you know, new players at West Ham should be shown a, a catalogue of Julian Dix tackles, and, yeah. and it be told that tackles like that will will win the fans over instantly. 
And that's all you have to do. You're right. Just put it about a bit. Put a tackle in occasionally. It's a bit naughty. And uh, everyone loves you. Uh, exactly. And it's, and it's true. And I think also he was relatable, you know, as a footballer. You know, as you said, you met him and he's just a down-to-earth guy. He's the type of person I could walk into a pub and he would be at the bar. You know, well, obviously before social distancing, but um, <laughs> before he had to book a table in advance for two hours. But, um, but do you know what I mean? He's just like, you know, he had that sort of... He had that sort of thing in his in his in his persona that you're thinking, I could be, I could have been like Julian Dix, because he like because he sort of, you know, the stories are true. He would have like a you know a can of coke and a Mars bar, and then he'd go and play football, and that's what we would do on a Sunday. And yep. he had, you know, he wasn't like, he wasn't like a I don't know like a a Dama Traore, you know, physique, you know, he wasn't like, or Mikel Antonio, he was just like a regular looking bloke, and, um, but just had this amazing talent, and, uh, I think that's why people took to him, because he was relatable, and you could see the heart was on his sleeve, but, uh, yeah, all right, I'll put Julian in, you carry on, Ben, who are you going to talk about next, man? Uh, so I'll go, my two centre-backs, I'll go with Rio Ferdinand, first up, um, just a different type of defender, wasn't he? I think, um, We we obviously didn't get the best years of him. He went on and furthered his career at Leeds and Manchester United. But to have that exciting prospect at West Ham that everyone was talking about um, and then kind of seeing his potential develop in front of your own eyes was was something else. I'll never forget when he made his England debut. I think he was 17. He came on, came off the bench. And and again, you talk about kind of that Payet moment in the Euros, that for me, Rio Ferdinand coming on for his England debut at such a young age, kind of unheard of for a West Ham player in the era that I was growing up watching them. Um, so yeah, Rio Ferdinand straight in there. Definitely. Yeah, no, totally agree. Rolls-Royce Rio is in. Uh, who's who's going to be the other centre-back then, Ben? Uh, so, uh, so Rio I've also met, I've interviewed, great, yeah. great interviewee. And then next to him, Alvin Martin, um, keeping the theme of people that I've met. Um, so I will never forget this. And you mentioned a couple of burger vans outside Upton Park uh, at the start of this. And I will ne- it must have been one of my first few games at Upton Park. And this Range Rover pulling up and everyone's stopping because you know what the streets were like around Upton Park, full of people, you know, before kickoff. He's, he, the Range Rover's just parked middle of the road. Alvin Martin's got out, gone into the shop. Um, I don't think it was for a Mars bar and a can of Coke. I think it was for a newspaper. Um, but yeah, and I was just like, oh my God, there's Alvin Martin, like that close to me. Um, yeah, and then just, I mean, what a classy player. And I guess the, the time I was watching West Ham back then, it, it was kind of towards the end of his West Ham career. But mm. I would love to have seen Alvin Martin and Rio Ferdinand play together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. For a long period of time. And it's true. It's so funny because he's, his grandkid goes to the same school as my daughter in the same year. And I still get that. <laughs> when, he, when he picks his kid up, his grandson up from school, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's just like a granddad. But I'm sitting there like, it's out of mine. And, like, and then my daughter's like, what, what, what's, about, what's up, daddy? I went, see that guy there? What, <laughs> what, what? I won't say it, but, you know, his granddad. I won't say the kid's name. And I went, yeah. That's Alvin Martin. You guys see who's Alvin Martin? <laughs> oh, okay, right. Yeah. Open up YouTube. This is out, you know, but but it's true. And um uh, yeah, he's just and obviously when when Billy had the stand dedicated to him, Alvin did the PA, didn't he? And um Yeah. Great guy. Yeah. Great guy. We're getting him on soon. We're getting him on soon. Oh good. Oh, yes. God. Hopefully. So yeah, again, it's another one because 
that's a great thing now. Closed season now. All the ex pros who are doing all the commentary, they're a bit more freed up now. So hopefully yeah. we get Alvin on. So uh, we've had we've had Tony, we've had we've had Gailey, we've had you know we had Reg, as I. Because uh, again, these like they when you talk about the ex footballers, they talk about each other with their sort of those their nicknames. And there's yeah. not like a, it's not like a book, you know. It's not like an exciting. So he was saying. So when Tony goes, oh yeah, we we'll put his stretch and da 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 and robot and machine. I was like. What? <laughs> so who, now I know. Who, about? who the <laughs> yeah. hell are you talking about, Tony? But um, you yeah, can ask, um, you can ask Alvin Martin whether it was a, just a newspaper that he was getting from the shop, or whether he was picking up Julian's um, Mars, Mars bar, bar and can of coke as well. Can of coke, yeah. No, I wouldn't be surprised doing doing the rounds. God bless him. <laughs> uh, right, okay. Alvin is in. Who is going to be next then, Bim? Uh, I'll go right back with Steve Potts. Oh, um, Steve Potts. I know. I know you're a big fan. I've been watching these and I know you're a big fan of him. I, I just, all I really remember about Steve Potts is just Mr. Reliable um, and kind of very similar to Julian Dix in terms of, you know, wearing the badge on his sleeve and giving his all. Uh, more than 500 appearances for the club. Just, yeah, just Mr. Reliable. I, I'm yeah. bowing to you, though. You give me a bit more knowledge about Steve Potts. What have I missed? No, I think Steve Potts is brilliant. No, I, I, I agree. I think, you know, he was... Uh, as I said, me and my best mate, we set up the Steve Potts Appreciation Society when we were kids. Um, only two members. Um, <laughs> although I did, I think we actually wrote to the club and mentioned the fact that we were. I, I went through a spate of writing to the club with ideas like ball boys because I wanted to be a ball boy because they didn't have ball boys at Upton Park for many minutes, and I was like, "But we should do." Um, and Steve Potts, yeah, he was brilliant. And again, you know, he's under twenty threes. And twenty-three coach, um, you know, lovely guy. You know, I think um, he was one of those players who, when you talk to the ex, the ex to his teammates, they they rate him more than I think we do. Um, yeah, because he wasn't. You know, he's five foot eight or whatever, but he was in essence his best. I think his best games were at centre back, which makes no sense because he is too small for <laughs> centre back. But he just read the game very well. But no, I no, I love Steve Potts. Um, I can't say much about him because he's just here. You're right. He is like, you know, we've, for our era, Ben, particularly, we never were around to see, you know, the Brookings, the Bonzies, who are Mr. West Ham's. And for us, Steve Potts, Mark Noble, there are Mr. West Ham's. And, and, and I'm glad that they're involved in the, that Steve's still involved in the club. I hope obviously Mark will be when he, when he retires and, it just gives some sort of continuity, which I think we've lacked in the last few years. Um, obviously, you know, Pellegrini came in and brought all his brothers and cousins in and then left with the cupboards bare for Poirier Moisey. Um, but there is definitely a move to this more boot boy, boot room type approach with our coaching staff. And I hope that continues because there's so many good play managers around. You know, you've got to think Scott Parker and, and you know, people like Joe Cole, who's, who's going to be a... He's going to be a great coach, you know. He's fantastically we talk some BT and stuff like that. And um, anyway, we get detracted as always. But yeah, Steve Potts, yes. <laughs> you opened it up there for me to talk about um, Sir Trevor because I can't obviously put Go him in my eleven because yeah. I've not seen him play. But um, I was really fortunate enough to cover the last World Cup in Russia, which was a wow. whole experience. But um, Sir Trev joined the the kind of commentary team for the for the final and maybe the semi-final but I'll never forget kind of meeting him in the hotel that we were staying in in, in Russia and we ended up watching England's third place 
game together. And just, yeah, again, what an experience, you know, talking to him about West Ham and kind of his experiences of of playing and being around the club at West Ham mm. and then his, his take on the, that current England team as well. So, yeah, you've, you named Dross a Trevor, so I've put I've just briefly... Go for it. No, go for it. And also, <laughs> I mean, it must be weird because I've spoken to people also who have, spoke, who have watched football with ex-professionals and they say, I watch the game totally differently to how they watch it. And it's just bizarre, isn't it? It's the same game, yeah. but they take a different yeah. stance on it. Um, yeah. And obviously, Sir Trevor. Oh, I've got, I've got his fo- I've got his phone number, oh. but it's a it's a it's a landline. Do you know what I mean? It's like I find a bit funny phoning up someone. I have hello, yeah, hi. Do you want to come and do this? What? Okay, but um, yeah, one day, who knows? But anyway, I didn't so, know I didn't know whether to call him Trevor or Sir Trevor, and then yeah. I, it just it, I, you know when you're meeting in that situation in a bar in a hotel in Moscow. So yeah, I started with Sir Sir Trev, uh, and then moved to Trevor. And obviously Ludo was there as well because he comes from near Moscow. So um, obviously, yeah. obviously, yes. Say <laughs> like some of our fans read state geography lessons, don't they? But he used to introduce himself like that as well. Sometimes yes. I remember, well, hi, I'm Ludo. I don't come from near Moscow, and it was like I love the man. I think it's brilliant. Okay, let's go into midfield then, Ben. Who we go over midfield? What a tough one. I mean, uh, where do you start? Um, I've had several rewrites of the midfield. Um, let's start at, we'll start right wing. Yeah, go for um, it. And I'll go there with another Trevor, but Trevor Sinclair this time. Mm. Um, I guess without him, the uh, De Canio volley would never have been a thing. So he probably gets in there just for that. Uh, he'll also get in there for this story that from the World Cup that he went to with England, um, when we beat Argentina, him getting on the wrong team bus after the game, I think is a hilarious story. So uh, he got on the Argentina coach by mistake, walked all the way down, kind of gloated a bit, then got off and got back onto the proper coach. Um, Yeah, just what a great player. Yeah, Yeah. great technique, didn't he? He had really great technique um, Mm. with his crossing and with his shooting. Um, Yeah, very good. Never, Never scored a simple goal. (laughs) <laughs> I can't remember, him, can't remember him scoring a tap in from two yards. You know, it was always something with Trev. No, he was, he was brilliant. I love Tricky Trev. Um, and some of these, I mean, obviously, you know, now people have had a lot of opportunities to watch old f- footage and old highlights. And Robert Banks is serialising all the um, all the end of season review videos, which is quite fun on YouTube until they get taken down. He puts them back up again. Um, but um, yeah, Trev was, he was, and he was like, he was because obviously from when we signed him, he was. I mean, it was a typical Harry signing, you know. I think it was Roland and Dowie and a million pound or something like that um, for him, which is absolutely bargain. And he was obviously on the downward spiral because obviously he'd done a QPR. He had these dreadlocks and he was doing the bicycle kicks and he was like like hot stuff. And he was going down. He came back to us and his career just went back up again. Got back. He says got into the World Cup squad and then went to Man City yeah. and. Stuff like that, and he still speaks really highly of West Ham as well. So that's what I like about players who do that. I've been watching his volley against Charlton from a Boxing Day on repeat. I stumbled across that on YouTube, and just yeah, the, the technique, something else. Yeah, Brilliant. great player. All right, Tricky Trev is in. Who is next? Uh, right, centre midfield. Um, let's get it over and done with. Mark Noble in there. You can't play yeah. more than five or five hundred. Get more than five hundred games for West Ham and not get in my eleven. Um, 
uh, he's just missed the West Ham. We talked about Julian Dix, you know, kind of putting those tackles in, putting himself out. And that is exactly what Mark Noble does. Yeah. It looks like, I don't know about how you feel about this, Russ, but it looks like towards the, the, the last few games since lockdown, seem to have found a, a position that works mm. to get him yeah. in the team, Declan Rice and obviously Suchek as well. But um, yeah, just, uh, I'm, I mean, what do you, I don't know what else to say about him. He no, is, he, he is Mr. West Ham. Um, yeah. And he's he's been there a long time, through some really dark periods. Uh, yeah, he deserves everything he gets, really, Mark Noble. Yeah, you're right. And I don't think I realise how long he's been at the club. I mean, when um, Rob Rob uh, Rob Pritchard did that, that, they put that sort of YouTube video up of him sort of retrospective Mark from his 500 games and you realise some of the things he's been through uh, and some of the he said the, the dark times. And oh, he's just brilliant, isn't he? I mean, there's nothing to describe. And you're right, playing that sort of weird sort of number 10 role, kind of. You know, it's, it's I don't really know the right position for it. It's a bit weird, it's, you know, because he sort of seems to be pushing up quite a bit. And uh, yeah. and, uh, and you're right, with someone like Suchek and Rice in as sort of the doing the more donkey box-to-box type work, he... He's, he's flourished and, and you can just see that obviously he knows that next season he's going to play less games. I mean, there's you know, the Suchek-Rice combination plus one other. Um, you know, if they need a bit more steel, Mark goes in. If they need a bit more flair, then they put a flair player in. You know, so it, it does work itself out quite nicely. But um, yeah, no, I just think he's brilliant. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And I've been privy to, to see, obviously, when he's not in the squad, he sits where the sort of disabled um, fans sit in terms of that's where they put all the sort of, not the mic there. Um, that's where they put all the um, the off um, squad members who aren't in the team. They get dotted around there, and he kicks every ball when he's sitting there. And that I mean, obviously the Chelsea game particularly, the the kid he looked like he was like fifteen years old the way he was like supporting the team. Yeah, it was brilliant. And um, as I, soon as I that, think. I think you can't underestimate his uh, what the work he does off the pitch. I know mean, lots yeah. of people talk about his work in the community, but, but I also mean kind of around the training ground. And so, yeah. yes, he, he will inevitably play less games as we move forward, but so important for mm. the kind of link between Moyes um, and, and the players. Definitely. And, you know, let's let's hope that West Ham can keep hold of him as uh, a coach and then obviously yeah. one day, hopefully, a manager um, because yeah, he, he he deserves a shot at it, doesn't he? You're right, and it's, it's similar. And I can see obviously the influence of someone like um, Kevin Nolan on him as well, because it was similar to the relationship between Big Sam and Kevin in terms of the manager and player. And he clearly has a very good relationship with Moyes. You can tell, and because he has a good relationship with Moyes, people like Declan Rice is a good relationship. And obviously, when Declan scored yeah. that goal, that fantastic goal at Watford, he went. The first person he hugged was David Moyes. None of yeah. the teammates, and I think that's really showed how much the the players respect him as a manager. And that's really good because I think then that sort of permeates fans' perspective on, on, on managers as well. You know, the players are backing him and, and Mark is that just Mr. West. And you said the, some of the community work, I've been I've been very privy to talking to some of the guys at and you and Food Banks the other day. We're gonna be doing something on the channel to help them out. And um Mark does loads for them and it's doesn't it goes you know, doesn't get documented, doesn't get published and 
a lot of the other players do as well. And it's lovely to hear that they do. But um, sometimes you wish that they would talk about it a bit more. So people would, because there's been a perception of football players of being a bit greedy and money grabbing. But um, they do so much. And even sort of the owners and stuff as well, you know, they do a lot. And um, it might start changing people's attitudes towards people. Then then there'd be something else to criticise out. So it doesn't really matter. He's he's the the one person, like, I've not, been fortunate enough to meet but i would love to sit down and interview yeah. mark noble he's he's the one there and also obviously my team needs a captain so um he would definitely be he would definitely be naturally. my captain naturally yeah. yeah all right nobs is in who is next ben so alongside him uh let's go with joe cole uh, i'm mm. a big fan of joe cole as many west ham fans are i would imagine um again a bit like rio did we see the best of him probably not his career was still developing and he went on to you know win trophies and things with with chelsea but um just the closest player i think england have ever had to gaza and kind of i was a little bit too young to really appreciate gaza when he played um so joe cole's the next best thing um what can I say? I will tell you this actually. When I was uh, when I was younger and I played football, we were really lucky. I, so I grew up in Kent, and where we trained was where um, Gillingham's youth teams played all of their games, and um, West Ham's youth team played Gillingham's youth team with a Joe Cole and Michael Carrick there. So I was very fortunate to like as a I don't know however old I was stand on the sidelines of this uh, youth game and watch both of those those play. Wow. Um, and I think Sir Trevor Brookin might have been there as well, actually. I think he might have driven down to, to watch that game. Um, but what, just what a yeah. player. Um, yeah. yeah. And I kind of also liked it when he came back the second time to, to, to West Ham. And I think he, I can't remember what game it was. He scored the goal, took his shaft and went crazy. Yeah. And yeah, just showed passion for the club. He does. And, and you know, he's, he's, uh, he's very similar to someone like Rio as well. You know, some players come and go. And they'll turn up for another, they'll put another shirt on, you know, like, I don't know, or someone like that. And it's like, you, you you don't forget they played for West Ham, but it's a distant memory. Someone yeah. like Joe or someone like Rio, you still think under that, I don't know, that Lil shirt or that Liverpool shirt or Chelsea shirt for Joe, that he had like a West Ham vest on underneath. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was still, it was just closer to his heart. And obviously his dad's still, you know, the family's a big West Ham fans and he talks and also I love the way he talks you know he's <laughs> there was the assumption that obviously you know, some players have got good football brains and Joe people assume he has a good football brain but actually on his stuff at BT Sport his analyst work and he talks so well um, and obviously I think he was he was coach at Chelsea for the youth team and he's leaving because he's going to go and do this sort of sabbatical going around all these different I don't know, coaching places and learning. And, yeah. and, I, and I think he'd be absolutely phenomenal coach. Um, and he's just so, and you're right, it, you know, unfortunately he did bookend his career with us really, you know, beginning mm-hmm. and end. But, um, you know, he was, he was just mesmeric. And obviously it seems like he played for us a lot longer than he did because obviously we were talking about him from the age of 12, you know, and totally, so yeah. it was yeah. a lot of pressure for the boy, but um, no, yeah, he was, he, uh, he, yeah. You're right. There was a lot of pressure, but he, he dealt with it really because of mm. because he you know he, he managed to see through that time at West Ham despite all of that pressure, yeah. get a move, go on and win win trophies. Yeah, I think uh, he, I've I've heard him talk about coaching before on the telly and was just kind of you know 
jaw-dropping kind of the way he sees the game what he wants to do where he wants to go and work you talk about the sabbatical there i mean if if west ham could ever get him involved in the club and coaching it'd be you know huge benefit for our team definitely absolutely even just even as he said as like an advisor role you know or you know like they do they they bring them on as sort of guest coaches and and he would have yeah. a huge impact on on, uh, on on the on the youth teams particularly okay right i'll put joe cole in so who is next then ben right so my left winger is um controversial uh, don't at me okay when i say this name i will give an explanation as to why i'm putting him in but i am going to go with Pyatt. yeah um dimitri Pyatt. uh mainly because of his role that he played within the team when we transitioned from Upton Park to the London Stadium. I think yeah. it would have been a lot lot trickier without him. He um, allowed us to watch some brilliant football mm. for, a, for a season. Um, um, you know, the way, he le- the way he left the club, uh, yeah, not great. But yeah. great player. You mentioned earlier his kind of role in that Euro 2016 uh, as a West Ham player. Um, Yeah, he was, you know, you can't deny that his time at West Ham, he was a brilliant footballer when he was on the pitch. Yeah, definitely. He was, it was, I mean, there's not many opportunities that that you have a player who makes your mates who aren't West Ham fans jealous. And it's the only opportunity, maybe Di Canio for a little bit, but it was, I remember, you know, all my Tottenham fans and, Arsenal and Man United, they all wanted Payet. They're all gutted when he's, you know, when they might be playing Man United. They go, oh God, we got you got Payet this week. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. did. And um, and also it's like having that, you know, like we had when when we got a penalty. And we still do it now. You know, a penalty. We pretty much know it's going to go in. You know, because like. <laughs> Unless, you know, someone's on a goal bonus and they give it to Antonio. <laughs> right? Which my heart my heart was in my mouth, so is everyone else. Um but something like Julian, you know, you know it'd be a penalty yeah. and and with a free kick it was the same, wasn't it? Out twenty yards out, twenty five yards, you're like seventy percent chance this is going in now. It's yeah. like and we haven't had that before in my lifetime or afterwards in my lifetime. Uh, and um it was Nonna. It was Nonna watching him. Um watching yeah. such a good player play. I think kind of what we were saying with Julian Dix is as West Ham fans, you just want a moment of excitement or something to get you out of your, your seat. You know, yes, we would all love a trophy, but unfortunately we, for a number of years have not been, not been near those. So for us as fans inside the stadium, it's something to get us off off our seats and applaud and kind of that excitement. And, And he, him staying over a free kick was something that allowed the West Ham fans to do that. Yeah, it's true. And, and you're right. It's and that, that's what a bit about being a West Ham fan is all about. I mean, you know, it's those as you said, we're never going to win the league, but it's those games you know where we're going to turn up against Tottenham, and you've got like a, a good three or four days bragging rights with your mates afterwards, yeah. or Man United or Chelsea, and you know then we'll lose to Burnley, but we know that's going to happen. Um, but that's just the West Ham. And you're right with, with Dimmy. It was like that every game, wasn't it? He was a, 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 yeah a, one of his little. 360s on the ball yeah. or, or I remember him coming off the bench when he was injured against um, he came the, I think he came on as a sub against Everton I think it was and the fans were just 20 minutes before and singing that song and he came on and did a little twizzle straight away and it's just like phenomenal but uh, and he had the song obviously as well you know and 
yeah. a good West Ham fat player has a good as a song, and he did, and um, he was he was brilliant. And I absolutely loved him, and I totally he was in my team as well. You know, because I just think okay. what what happens happened. Um, yeah. you get that with those types of players. You know, Anatovic as well, and people like they throw their toys out the pram and off they yeah. go. But that's what they do, and he, and you sort of, he came to us doing the same thing. You know, and exactly, and and Di Canio pushed over a referee. <laughs> that's how he, got, he came to us. I was, that's my, always my argument back. Um, but anyway, we'll put pie at him. Uh, let's go up. We go up front now, now Ben. Yeah, Those yeah. Strikers. I'm playing. I'm playing four four two, and we'll we'll continue with who you were talking about there. So Paolo Di Canio straight in. Yeah. Um, I'd rather play with ten men, I think, and just have Di Canio <laughs> up top. Um, oh, just everything we said about Joe Cole, you can yeah. kind of put put for Di Canio. Um, yeah. Everything you say about Julian Dix, you can probably put for Decanio as well. He, yeah. I, I don't think there's been a player. Correct me if I'm wrong for West Ham that has kind of come in for I don't know three, four seasons and had that impact no. on on the football club. Um, and yes, yeah, so I saw your your chat with Harry Redknapp, and obviously a huge gamble taking him in the first mm. place. But what a gamble that paid off and. Yeah, unbelievable. Just yeah. what a great player. Um, there's a part of me that would like to have seen him back to manage West Ham. I know it probably would have been a disastrous spell, but you look at the impact that Duncan Ferguson had at Everton just for those few games and winning the fans over. And I feel like over the last few years, there's been a couple of times where maybe, you know, to Canio to win the fans over and, and kind of play... I know. Who knows what kind of brand of football his team would play? But yeah, no, he's a West mean. Ham legend. Yeah, and no, I know what you mean. Yeah, he's just. Um, uh, it's it's like when players manage when like managers manage England. You think, how can you manage the best play? You know, there's, there's not much you got to do. You have got the best players in your country. Just put them on the pitch, and they should be. And you almost got that feeling with Decan. Yeah, you know, it's just about motivation. And I think that's the same. You know, these guys are Premiership football players. You know, they we, they get paid a lot of money to to kick a ball about, and so you can't, you can't really coach someone to. You know, you can improve fitness and stuff. But if you've got the skill, they've got the skill. It's all about the passion, I think, and and the commitment, and and getting people up for it. And he would do that. There's no doubt he would do that. Um, I I almost see him. I mean, obviously, he had he was at Swindon and Sunderland, and it didn't really work out. But you you have a feeling. I mean, it's I can see it very similar to how how when Slavin was our manager, you know, he got so when we lost, he was depressed. He got mm. so because he loved the club so much, and you saw that in his eyes when we lost and the frustration. And I think sometimes that's what fans want. They don't want a, a manager, a Pellegrini, for example, no emotion. You know, win or lose. His face looks the same, basically. Um, where you know, someone who seems like they care is a manager, and I think obviously he would do that. He would be a disaster, though. We know that would yeah. be. But it's. Um, I know what you mean about getting the fans on board, though. I think that would be. A... I think you just want to see West Ham go one nil up against Spurs in the London Stadium, and Canio running down the touchline, celebrating with the players in his yeah. brilliant Italian suit. That's. I just. That's the image I have in my head. Obviously, that would be few and far between, probably. Um, but I just there's a part of me that really would love to see that one day. Yeah, that sort of archetypal Italian sort of like just passion. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, it would be it would be fun. It would be fun. I, yeah. I totally agree with that. But what's, uh, your, right. what's your best? What's your best Acanio moment, Russ? 
Oh, good question. Uh, my my best Kenya moment. Um, I was actually thinking about watching about the other day. I was. Um, it was the, um, the obviously the five four game, and it wasn't actually a goal. It was just no. him on the pitch trying to be subbed off. Just yeah. because I just because that just epitomised Di Canio because you knew what happened before and afterwards and yeah he was kicked all day that game um, and and that that game itself epitomised that whole um, that whole Red Nap era you know it was crazy it was my most enjoyable time as a West Ham fan because the football was crazy you had like it was almost like a soap opera it was like eastenders you had the 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 italians who, who came from who's banned and now he's playing for you had this sort of subplot of these young upstart english players coming through you had you sort of your john monkers you had people like i don't know like razor ruddock and ian wright you had random foreigners turning up who no one knew who they were um <laughs> and uh and i just loved it and i saw the Kanye that game just epitomized everything he did um although someone pointed out to me ages ago um when he uh the arsenal game when he sort of made arguably that the top two premier league center backs at the time and the top goalkeeper looked like a they were playing preschool football. Um, he did it with his shorts on backwards um, because it, it was a superstition. He wanted to change it, right. but uh, he was brilliant, man. I loved him. There's a there's a brilliant um, interview of Joe Cole who talks about his first experience of Paolo De Canio and he talks about walking into the changing room at Upton Park and Paolo De Canio sitting there talking to his left and, and right legs. So, uh, so, yeah, shorts on back to front. Um, doesn't seem too bad when you compare it no. to talking to your left inter- and right leg. I interviewed Bertie Braley, um, who was the Canyo's boot boy. Um, and every, obviously, that story come Christmas, all the pros would give a little boat Brucey bonus to um, to the to the boot boys. And so um, Bertie was looking forward to this. And I think someone, like one of his mates had got like 100 quid off someone. And da, 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 da. So... He was like, Bertie, come here. And he went back to his car, opened up the boot, gave him, presented him with this pair of boots, which were three sizes too small for Bertie, and came with no laces either. And he's like, Merry, Chris- Merry Christmas. <laughs> what the fuck is But that was just Paolo. Other yeah. stories, uh, interviewing the um, John Joe, John Joe and Gary Herman, and they talk about he was invited, they were invited to Swindon. Um, because obviously all the work they did for the John did for the Bobby Moore Foundation, um, Paolo wanted you know they they met up um, and they were in his manager's office at Swindon, and Paolo opened up his desk, and it was full of West Ham memorabilia. <laughs> so you know what I mean? It's like he shouldn't be doing this, and they were like going through all the pictures and stuff like that. And um, no, I love him. He was just he was yeah. my favourite player of all time. Pyatt was technically the best player I've ever seen. But as you said, you needed a bit of Payet skill, Julian's commitment, John yeah. Monker's craziness, and it just like hodgepodge, and you put it into a mixing pot, and Paolo Di Canio comes out. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, he's got a, he's got a tattoo, a West Ham tattoo. You know, that to me is the ultimate, particularly because I'm I'm aller- I'm not allergic, I'm phobic to needles. So I get <laughs> you know even that I was like, wow, that's huge. I've even got a West Ham tattoo, and. Um, <laughs> So that's why I think he's great. But uh, all right, Paolo's in. Paolo's in. And and who's the 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 last piece of this um, yeah, Monday I, puzzle? I I, I struggled with this, um, and 
I'm still I'm I'm toying with two names here even even now. Um, it, it was a close call between Tony Cotty and Carlos Tevez, and yeah. I've gone with Tevez because uh, sorry Tony, um, <laughs> who I met. He's another one I met and interviewed at the London Stadium. I think actually he's returned to the London Stadium after his health scare last year was it yes I and think um, so, yeah. stood stood next to him kind of when the whole stadium applauded him was just yeah a, a great moment but i've gone with carlos because of, of this moment uh when it was when the rumors were flying around that he might him him and mascarana might be coming to west ham i got a text from my dad who is often um second to all of these stories i've heard it somewhere i've read it somewhere but then the message comes in from my dad sorry yeah. dad um saying that yeah west ham are signing carlos tevez and i just thought it lost the plot i was just yeah. like that cannot you cannot that cannot be true yeah. uh and then that whole kind of drama unfolded um the goal he scored the vital goals he scored um yeah just <laughs> how did we end up with him and oh, uh thank goodness we did it's funny, I, I spoke to a couple of people about that and uh, a couple of ex-players actually. So I interviewed John Pansil, God bless him. And um, I asked him, I was like, what's it like you know, as a player? You know, you turn up at Chadwell Reef one day and these two Argentinian internationals, he was like, it's football. Honestly, nothing surprises me, but that did. And um, and then who was I interviewing? It was someone else. I think it was um, Anton Ferdinand. And and he was he he said a, a great story of um, how Carlos not so much Maserano but Carlos really wanted to integrate himself in the team and I think that comes across as a the fact of why I think he maybe he got over the fans a lot more than Maserano yeah. and one day and they went to a a nightclub in London and um, Teres came along with his translator his interpreter. And um, his interpreter and him are on the dance floor and Tevez is really giving it some, you know, proper like, you know, Argentinian tango type stuff. And um, and the translator's trying to translate what he's saying to <laughs> Anton and the rest of the team and then back again. But I can just, and I can picture that, you know, he was like, apparently Carlos was like sweating because he was dancing so much. And um, he's he's brilliant, you know, and obviously he brought back the, the crossed hammers yeah. thing, you know, which, yeah. you know, it was, was long gone for many years, um, playing obviously for, for United at the time, which is even more ironic, you know, but uh, yeah. no, I loved him. I thought he was brilliant. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was good fun. And I interviewed some of the other you know, people who were around at the time, you know, from the staff um, about the whole Carlos Tevez thing. It's just, yeah, it's just very bizarre, very bizarre thing. But um yeah, it, it, as you said, it was one of those weird days where you were the talk of the water cooler, you know. Exactly. So people yeah. were slap, slapping me on the back at work. Hey, Carlos <laughs> Tevez. I was like, yeah, <laughs> again, I did all that. That yeah. was all me. Yeah. But um, yeah, but they did look like they'd just been smuggled in, though, didn't they? When they, oh, it's, there's I that mean, picture of them with Pardew, and they're like, <laughs> I, I think everyone's just wondering what the catch is and uh, how have we ended up here? How have they ended up here? what's what's happened um yeah but it, i mean wouldn't change it would, would we because of the goals that he scored and the impact he had on the team in that i think it was the 07 at the end of the 07 season yeah, yeah um yeah. yeah just he was brilliant and it's, it's funny now because obviously you've got the situation there where you know a bournemouth are maybe looking to um sue hawkeye 
because of that game at the beginning of the restart. And yeah. uh, obviously we had all the litigation afterwards because of Carlos um, and obviously uh, in Sheffield United. And it's just funny how it's all sort of a little bit digging up again because people are using us as a a test case, really. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, it was. It was still remain. And there was talk of you know talk of him coming back at thirty six. He the only club he'd come back to in Europe would be West Ham, and it's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Okay, fair enough. But uh, oh no, one one day we might get. I'd love to get him on the pitch. Could you imagine? It'd just be the, oh. the the fans. You know, just go absolutely mental. But um, but anyway, that that that's that completes. Yeah. The Monday 11, very, very good. I like it. Um, ben, man, thank yeah. you so much for your time. It's been really, no really fun. thank you. It's been really, no really fun chatting. And uh, obviously, thank you. And thanks to everyone for watching. You know, like, share, subscribe, all that all that thing. You know what you're doing. Uh, we'll keep the football fix going while we've uh, got no games at London Stadium. Um, and until next time, for me and Ben, take care, stay safe. Come on, you Irons. Big games coming up. That's it, Ben. There we go. Putting the crossovers <laughs> up. And uh, to everyone, see you later. Take safe. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.